This year, if you've been with us this year so far, you'll know that we've been looking, the theme this year has been deep and wide, and we've been looking at how do, how do we get to know Jesus more? How do we um, know Jesus more and be more like Jesus? And today we're wrapping up a short series that we've been doing called Contending for Renewal. And this is where we've seen that throughout history, there have been many great moves of God's spirit. And a common thread, a key element throughout each move of God is that they've been preceded by a movement of prayer. When the people of God have gone from really being consumers to being contenders, where rather than accepting the status quo, they have been challenged to live differently to run after God passionately, longing to see their communities, their cities, their countries, their nations changed. Seeing God bring renewal to all things. That's, that the foundation really, I guess, is that our longing to see God's renewal come to all things is really birthed in this place of prayer. Our desire really to see that transformation come, transformation that really moves from being a a head thing to being a heart thing. What do I mean by that? What do I mean our need, our desire to see transformation come, move from being a head thing to a heart thing? And is there a difference? I believe there is. I think we could all agree that we are very much living in Come in. I think we can all very much agree that we are living in an information age. We have more access to knowledge and information today than at any other time in history. We are mass consumers of information, whether it's 24-hour news, Google, Wikipedia, countless online blogs, Vlogs and podcasts at our fingertips, or even ebooks. You don't even have to leave the house to go to a bookstore or a library nowadays. You can just online buy a book, or in my case, books. You would think that with all of this information, that our lives would be constantly improving and being transformed on a daily basis as we take all of this knowledge and put it into practice. And there lies the problem. We spend so much time gathering and consuming knowledge, but rarely do we put that knowledge, that information, to good use. Rarely do we put it into practice. We are such consumers of knowledge that we're in real danger of having the actual acquisition of that knowledge itself be the goal, rather than to do something with that knowledge. And as followers of Jesus, we are just as guilty of this, maybe more so. I have to confess that this is a major weakness of mine. Um, I'm terrible for this, just ask Esther, she'll tell you. I have more books on my Kindle than I think I could ever, ever read. I have literally started hundreds of books and I've finished only very few. I have so many podcasts on the go that I forget what I'm listening to from one day to the next. All of the Christian knowledge 
that I have accumulated, that I have access to, that could transform my life and those around me, and yet how much of it have I really put into practice? Well, let me tell you, not enough. The German theologian and pastor Dietrich Bonhoeffer knew this when he said, one act of obedience is better than one hundred sermons. Think about that for a second. A sermon or a talk can be uplifting. It can make you think. It can even be entertaining. But what if when you go home, you make a change to your life based on what you've just heard? You actually put those words into practice. That's what is meant by head versus heart. You can know something. You can know it intellectually up here. But until it reaches your heart, you do not truly understand it or know it. The author J.D. Greer uses this example, or uses the example of he's accepting um, the good news of Jesus, the gospel, to illustrate this point. It says, It's not that I didn't understand or believe the gospel before. I did. But the truth of the gospel hadn't moved from my mind to my heart. There was a huge gap between my intellect and my emotions. The Puritan Jonathan Edwards likened his reawakening to the gospel to a man who had known in his head that honey was sweet, but for the first time had that sweetness burst alive in his mouth. It's only when something moves from our head to our heart that we see transformation, that we see the fullness of that knowledge. But that doesn't come easy. In our culture of consumerism, we have to fight against all the other distractions around us. We have to fight against the culture itself sometimes. And as it says in Ephesians 6, we also have to fight against spiritual powers and forces. We have to fight for that change, that transformation. We have to contend for it. And this is what today's talk is all about, contending for transformation. The vision statement, some of you may know, of Central Vineyard is a community following Jesus, joining God in the renewal of all things. What we're saying here is that we want to join God as he is at work in the world, to be part of what he is doing, to follow Jesus and see his kingdom come in our communities, in our towns, our neighborhoods, workplaces, schools, families, relationships, friendships, to see healing, restoration, and the renewal of all things. We want to see the communities, the spaces in which we dwell, that we are part of, become transformed, to see God's kingdom come. We want to see transformation not only in our lives, but also in our town. But I don't know about you. I'm not seeing a whole bunch of transformation, no matter how hard we're trying. 
Despite all of our best efforts, we still see rising poverty, rising injustice, rising violent crime. And I believe, not coincidentally, declining numbers in those who would identify themselves as followers of Jesus. So why? Why are we not seeing renewal? Why are we not seeing this transformation? I believe it's because, and I've mentioned this before, we are in a fight. It's the same fight that the Apostle Paul spoke about in Ephesians 6. In Ephesians 6.12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. This enemy that we are in a fight with does not want to see renewal or transformation happen. But many, but more than that, I would say many of us don't even know that we are in a fight. And if we do, then we're simply behaving as if we are not. Ouch. No rotten fruit yet. I'll continue. I believe that we as a culture find ourselves happy consumers. We're not really contending for renewal, contending for transformation. We want it all without the struggle, without the cost. Mark Sayers, pastor and author, put it this way, consumer culture creates in us a mentality of toxic entitlement. The sense that we can have it all, but without struggle or cost. This mentality of entitlement eventually will infect our faith. Renewal only happens when we move from consuming to contending. So how? How do we do that? How do we start to contend? If you look up in the dictionary, then to contend for something means to strive, to battle, to struggle in order to achieve something. The Oxford English Dictionary has the definition as contend for to be compete with others in a struggle to achieve something. When we contend, then that is when we see the need for transformation in our communities, our town, our country, move from a good thought, from a head thing, to a heart thing. That is when we move from agreeing together that something needs to change to actually being an agent of that change. In other words, we have to actually do something. And I don't believe this happens by accident. I don't, we don't unintentionally contend for transformation in our communities. I believe that to contend means to be intentional. We have to be intentional about this. We need to do something. As followers of Jesus, what does that look like? To intentionally contend for the transformation of our town and our communities, to see God's kingdom come. Well, I believe we need to be intentional about two key things, both of which come, as hopefully you would expect, from Jesus. Both of these come from his Sermon on the Mount. So if you haven't already got your Bibles out, 
It's always a good idea to bring your Bible along to church, whether it's a physical or electronic. And we're going to be in Matthew 5, starting in verse 13. Don't worry if you don't have a Bible with you, we will have the words, as you can see, up on the screens. So starting Matthew, Matthew 5 in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand. And it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is heaven. So the first thing that we need to do, we need to be intentionally salt and light in our communities. And there is an intentionality in these verses. Jesus very clearly says that we are salt and light. And that comes about as a statement of who we are as followers of Jesus. But Jesus equally tells us that we should be intentional. As salt, we should intentionally remain salty. For if we lose our taste, our saltiness, then we are no longer good for anything. And as light, we should intentionally let our light shine before others. What does that mean? It means that as we contend for transformation in our communities, that, that we are key to that transformation. We are the ones that bring flavor to our communities, to the spaces in which we dwell. We are the ones that shine light in the darkness of our communities. By being with Jesus and being like Jesus more, we are the ones that bring a difference to our communities, to our town. That we'll, we will be intentional in not hiding who we are by letting our light shine, by adding salt flavor to our communities, by being different to those around us who don't know Jesus, by being, dare I say it, counter-cultural. That is when we start to contend for that space. We start to say to our enemy, we start to say to the prevailing culture of our time, no, we will not hide who we are. We will not merge into the background and be like everybody else. We are made in the image of God, and we will reflect that image wherever we are. I'd love to say more about that, but I want to move on to the second thing I think and I believe we must be intentional about as we, as we contend for transformation. And that is we should intentionally pray for transformation. A little bit later in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 6, 9, Jesus says, Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So to see God's kingdom come, to contend for transformation in our spaces, in our communities, we have to be intentional about prayer. We need to pray for God's kingdom to come, for renewal to come. Jesus says in verse 5, when you pray, not if 
you pray. It's expected that you do pray. We should be praying daily for God's kingdom to come, for renewal, for revival, for transformation. We should be praying both generically and specifically. We should be praying for our specific communities, our spaces in which we dwell, in our town, to see God move, to see opportunities for those people that we know to meet with Jesus, to see Jesus touch their lives. And we certainly can't do this on our own. As I mentioned earlier, we are fighting, we are contending with spiritual powers and authorities. We cannot do any of this in our own strength. We need to pray that God's power goes ahead of us. Transformation is only possible in the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, Steve spoke all about contending through prayer last week, so I'm not going to repeat everything that he said. And it was a great talk, so if you missed it, then please do go online, go to our podcasts, and, and listen to it. I think you'll be blessed by it. So as we contend for renewal in our spaces, in our communities, we should, one, intentionally be salt and light. Don't hide who we are. Be God's image bearers. And most importantly, we should, pray. We should be intentional about praying for transformation, praying generally and specifically to see transformation in the spaces that we inhabit. Now, I could just end it there, let you go sort of like 10 minutes early, although we're already running over, so maybe I should. But before you start getting up to leave, I think some of you may well be saying, that's great, but what does that look like in our own lives? How can I put that into practice in my life? And I'm so glad that you asked that question. And here's the answer. In the next 10 minutes... I want to focus on a few areas in our lives where we could be contending for transformation. Some practical examples of how being more intentional in being salt and light and praying for transformation in the spaces that we dwell. Now, before I go through this, I want to echo what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 8. No condemnation. What I really don't want is anyone going away going, I'm a horrible Christian, I don't do any of those things. That's not what I want. My hope, my desire, my prayer is that you will go away today having heard some of these examples and think, I can do that. That's no big deal. I can do that. I can start to contend for transformation in my community. So, first of all, we're going to contend for transformation in our social space. How many of you here today pretty much just hang out with other followers of Jesus? And usually pretty much the same people. Just me? Really? <laughs> all of you are all hanging out with, non with people who don't follow Jesus. Okay, just me then. If you don't already know, I'm an introvert. And I mean serious introvert. It might not be obvious sometimes when I come up here, but I am massively an introvert. And I'll be honest with you, I, I love nothing more than being on my own. Nothing, let me rephrase that for the sake of my marriage. I love nothing more 
than being on my own or with my beautiful wife, Esther, and my kids, as long as they're quiet. Not my wife, the kid, when you're in a hole, stop digging. Let me pull it another way. I'm not the most sociable of people. Don't get me wrong. I love being with friends and can be quite sociable, I think, in, in that context. But I really struggle with people I don't know and people I don't know well. So this example really hits home with me. I think that if we are contending for transformation in our social spaces, then you know what? We have to actually be sociable. We have to be intentional about who we spend time with. As we read earlier, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that we should be salt and light in the world. And at the risk of pushing that analogy too far, you do not enhance the flavor of food that has already been salted. Or putting it another way, another light in a very bright room doesn't really make much of a difference. Does that mean that we shouldn't hang out with other followers of Jesus? Certainly not. But we do need to be intentional about socializing with those who do not know Jesus more. Maybe invite them to dinner, for example, whether it's a neighbor or someone you meet at the school gate. But it doesn't stop there. Once you've been intentional about socializing with them, then also be intentional about praying for them. As I said earlier, we cannot contend against spiritual powers, against the culture of today without God. We are not alone, but we do need to pray. Pray before you invite them. Pray that God will provide opportunities to speak about him naturally. If you're not sure what I mean by that, then go back. We did a series a little while ago um, about talking Jesus, and there's some really great examples in there how we can talk about Jesus naturally. Pray that whoever you have invited will be open to conversation about what you believe. The list of things you could pray for goes on and on, but be intentional. One pastor I was listening to on a podcast spoke about how when they were out with friends who didn't know Jesus, then his wife would, whenever she went to the bathroom, just check in with God. She would ask God to reveal to her anything that she should be saying to her friends, but also anything that she shouldn't be saying, anything she should stop doing. That is being intentional. That is contending in prayer. Sometimes contending also means watching how you behave. There's little point in being intentional about inviting your neighbor into a social situation if you are effectively the neighbor from hell. It's not going to do anything. If you're always complaining, being inconsiderate, or just plain rude, then you really aren't going to get very far. That's the opposite of being salt and light. Sometimes this is as much about being intentional about the things that you don't do as much as it is about the things that you do do. Maybe that means not having just one more alcoholic drink. Maybe when you are driving, it means not letting that person who just cut you up exactly what you think of their driving 
been there. Especially when it turns out that that person is going to the same social event as you. <laughs> been there too. Very embarrassing. Instead, maybe try praying for them. I didn't say it was going to be easy, but maybe pray for them. Another space that I know that I need to pray more intentionally about is for my own family. My parents, my brother and his family, all non-believers. But if I'm honest, after nearly 30 years of seeing no change, I'd kind of given up. But as part of doing this, I'm resolved that I'm going to pray for them again and pray for them more. But not just pray for them on a daily basis. I'm going to be praying for them right up to the door when I go and visit them. Pray that God is going to give, give open hearts, give open conversations. Okay, moving on to the next area that I believe we need to contend for transformation in. And that's contending for transformation in our workspace. I'm running out of time, so I just want to ask a few questions to get you thinking how you could be contending for transformation more. First one is, do your work colleagues know that you are a follower of Jesus? For a long time, no one knew I was a follower of Jesus at my workplace. I didn't deny Jesus. I just didn't let anyone else know that I knew him. That dreaded question I would get on a Monday. What did you do at the weekend? Oh, nothing. What did you, nothing? You must have done something. What did you do on Sunday? Oh, nothing. No mention of going to church. I avoided discussions of faith. I didn't want to stand out as one, being one of those weird religious people in the workplace. Thankfully, God worked on my heart, and that changed about eight years ago, I would say. I started to let people know what I really got up to at weekends and what I believe. And it has led to some really amazing and interesting conversations. And I certainly don't feel like that weird religious person that everyone avoids. So if people don't know that you are a follower of Jesus because you have been avoiding it or withholding it, Maybe pray for strength and the opportunity to share what you believe. Another question. Do you join in with the gossip at work? Or do you make it clear that you do not gossip? It's such an easy trap to fall into, isn't it? To gossip, to feel part of the group. But you know what? It can have a devastating impact on your effectiveness as God's image bearer. I learned this lesson the hard way some 12 years ago. I made the devastating mistake of telling someone else in my team something that another member of my team had told me in confidence. It got back to that original person, and the first I knew about it was when that person came to me and resigned. The relationship was destroyed. Ever since, I do my very best not to gossip. Even those who work 
around me and with me know that I do not gossip. It has, by the way, I don't work full-time for the church. You know, there are a bunch of gossipers. No, they're not. <laughs> I work most of the week in another job. Um, they know that I do not gossip. And it started to have an impact on them as well. I've heard them in conversations with others going, oh, I, no, I don't gossip now. When previously, they would have loved a good gossip. Is it easy? No. Do I sometimes find myself in a gossiping situation before I know it? Yep. Let's be honest. As you will all agree, I'm sure you will agree with this, I'm far from perfect. But when the Holy Spirit reminds me, I excuse myself from the conversation or close the conversation down quickly. Contending is not easy. You have to struggle. You have to strive. Okay, last question. Do you... I'm not in. Do you pray for your colleagues on the way to work during your commute? Maybe during your next commute to work, ask God to reveal how you could be salt and light in your workplace that day. Pray for individuals that you work with. Be intentional. Doing this during your commute is great because you have time, whether you're driving on a train or even walking, you have the time to do it. Start to focus your mind on what's coming up ahead of you in that day and the people that you're going to be working with. Pray for opportunities. And speaking of time, having plenty of it, I don't. I think I'm pretty much out. Just before we pray and invite the Holy Spirit to minister to us, I just want to remind us of the quote from Dietrich Bonhoeffer that I used at the start of the talk. One act of obedience is better than 100 sermons. Don't let this be one of the 100 sermons. My challenge to you today is to take what you've heard in this talk, move it from being a head thing to a heart thing. Make a change in your life. Do something different. Whether it's any of the suggestions that I've said this morning or whether it's something else entirely, that's fine. But start to contend. Start to be intentional. Start to pray in those situations. Maybe we could pray the heartfelt prayer of Habakkuk in Habakkuk 3.2. Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in awe of your deeds, Lord. Repeat them in our day, in our time. Make them known. If you're able to, then please stand.